0: Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast. All about supply chain advantage. Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast. All about supply chain advantage. Well, this is the news roundup for this week. A lot of things happening in supply chains. But just before I move on to that, there's Economic news breaking this week in the United Kingdom, the growth figure for the first quarter of 2022 was issued and it's just 0.8%. That's a fall of 0.1% in March. The pound against the US dollar is at a low point at 1%. 22, and the pound against the euro is at 117. The FTSE is around 7159, and Brent crude is down about 2% to 105 US dollars. Inflation in the United States is 8.3%, that's down by 02 2% on last month, last month being March of course. That's the April figure. And that's probably a result of a movement of interest rates pressing down to try and keep inflation down by the Federal Reserve in the US. The Saudi Aramco, the oil company, this week overtook Apple as the world's largest company. That's as a consequence of the rising oil prices and the increasing profitability that's uh, happening in energy. The Northern Ireland Protocol is still on the agenda this week, with the government of Northern Ireland now having a majority of Sinn Féin MLAs. And the DUP in Northern Ireland is refusing to take part in government at Stormont until the Northern Ireland Protocol is removed. Now that's quite a problem it's been a problem reported on chain reaction with the additional friction over a number of months and it's still a problem and this trust has been threatening to stop the protocol telling the eu that uh, britain will withdraw from that protocol unless they renegotiate it there's a lot of posturing going on here and it does seem a bit crazy that a deal struck by the prime minister when he got brexit done has now come to a fruition in the sense of we know everything's not quite right with the Brexit arrangements and there's been a woeful lack of planning that's clogged up the system causing lots of friction in supply chains. So back time it was sorted out but the only way to sort it out is through negotiation. A negotiated settlement is needed and it's needed quickly because there are other things at stake here apart from supply chains. It's the Good Friday agreement of course and the stands currently being taken by the UK government could lead to an unwelcome trade war between the UK and the European Union let's hope it doesn't come to that and let's hope there's some sense both uh, Sevkovich on the part of the EU and Truss on behalf of the United Kingdom do seem to be rather entrenched presently Cargo ships have a great deal of potential to be autonomous and battery-driven, but I read two interesting articles this week. One about the battery technology saying that uh, ships are not really equipped from a safety point of view to deal with a fire from that battery technology on board a ship, and that needs some further work. And there's lots of legislation that might prevent autonomous ships and battery driven ships. That needs to be looked at. Ah the other interesting thing this week there was a a ship, the motor vessel Suzalu was the ship that uh, underwent trials this week. It's a cargo ship, 749 tonnes, using artificial intelligence off the east coast of Japan to drive that ship and undertake various manoeuvres, looking at safety particularly and manoeuvrability. That ship is a 749 gross tonne vessel, which is an autonomous cargo ship and it runs using Orca Artificial Intelligence and Yarden Gross, who's the CEO, said they'd conducted a 40-hour trial, 400 manoeuvres with a full ship on the east coast of Japan and that was funded by the Nippon. Foundation. Ships have had autonomous capability for some considerable time in the sense of the equipment on board with a few crew members, but the automated systems actually manoeuvring the ships. So one could see a world in which autonomous ships might become quite the norm, but of course have to cover all the risks to ensure that those ships are safe on the oceans. But it looks quite promising. Now, I just want to tell you about a special edition that will be coming up soon, which will look at transparency, trust, and technology in supply chains. So hopefully you'll tune in for that one, and that should be quite an interesting program. China's still in lockdown, and that, of course, means fewer cars for the world as there's disruption to automobile manufacture as a consequence of that lockdown. Difficult to get hold of parts out of China, and it's causing immense logistical problems for automobile manufacturers. The sooner that the situation in China can improve, the better it will be for those automobile manufacturers. Battery shortage for car makers is a real problem for the development of electric vehicles and trying to keep those electric vehicles affordable. There was an article in the Financial Times, I think it was on May the 10th, which talked about keeping electric vehicles affordable. And uh, I'd certainly go and look at that. The chief executive of Stellantis warned of these battery shortages. there was another article caught my eye about uh, tech manufacturers and the problem with computer peripherals, which surprisingly have a big environmental footprint. And so when it comes to climate change, we have to look at the ways in which these products are produced. And that goes from raw material, manufacture and of course shipping. They all have the potential to increase emissions which does nothing of course for the climate change targets that have been set for 2050. And one way to do that is to work with suppliers to look at processes for the primary inputs of steel making and try to lower the content and of course the cost. Steel production contributes about 7% of global greenhouse gas emissions according to the International energy agency. So any way that that could be lowered would be good news. A few weeks back, we had a special episode on returns, and I had Regina Fry on the program from Southampton Business School. And Regina was also on a special edition on supply chain careers. And I just wanted to update listeners that the new MSC in strategic operations and supply chain management that Regina spoke about, which is available at uh, Southampton University Business School, is working to seek Accreditation from the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport and also the Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply. So that's good news for anybody thinking of taking up the challenge to join that course at Southampton this year. So good to hear that from Regina. The number of new Covid cases in Shanghai has fallen from 25,000 to around 2,000, according to Chinese estimates. And although there is that fall, the Economist newspaper says this week that that's unlikely to mean that uh, things will be back to normal anytime soon, because people are still locked down. And of course, as we all know, it takes time to crank up the workplace and drive the output, and move the ships once things are improved. Ford has 50 Tier 1 suppliers in China, and they're working hard to ensure that suppliers are maintained. We know that Shanghai is virtually out of action and things are slow, but Ford is trying to arrange fast shipments and air freight to fill the Supply needs, limited capacity and the lockdown restrictions are severely problematic. But we know certainly that companies behind the scenes are working extremely hard to try and get things moving and to process supplies and, you know, looking to secure those supplies from elsewhere if they can't get them from the usual suppliers but as I've said previously that's not a straightforward or an easy option it's sometimes very difficult because you've got quality standards as time to arrange the procurements and to approve new suppliers so that in itself can take some considerable time. One example of this uh, rush to improve the risk might be seen elsewhere in the clothing industry as retailers and brands have been scurrying to move their supply to different places levi for example has reduced its reliance on china over the past few years in 2017 it sourced about 16% from china and in 20 19, it's down to about 2%. So they're trying to reduce the risk from one key source. It's often very attractive on a price basis to do so. One thing we should think about, of course, is that uh, China itself is well networked and they can help the solution through their networks in Southeast Asia. And that happens too. Nevertheless, global supply chain disruptions are said to have cost Levi about 60 million lost revenue dollars in the last quarter alone in the united kingdom this week it was the state opening of parliament and that was interesting because there was a lot of uh well i suppose what people would have called hot air in uh lots of the hurried statements pushed out by uh government. One of the things they were keen to do was to uh, try and push away criticisms from the lack of planning and execution of post-Brexit trade deals. And I noted that um, there was a piece about public procurement saying they wanted to simplify it. There's not much detail about this, but there's certainly uh, a lot of press releases about it. And one of the things that they talked about was making it easier to go through the public procurement process. I just wonder how easy that might be when we think about all the problems with uh, rushed and hurried contracts pushed through during the pandemic, which didn't go through proper scrutiny or through due process. Are we going to see more? more public procurement put at risk, costing taxpayers money, or are they serious? And if they're serious about doing something to make public procurement easier for the smaller firm, then obviously they need to include people who understand those procurement processes to give feedback into their ideas before they rush them out. One of the main reasons, of course, for pushing these statements out was to demonstrate the success of Brexit, but it's been anything but so far, saying that uh, we're not bound by the rules anymore. Well, perhaps we ought to be, and perhaps we need rules in place that protect everybody in the process. Freedom and flexibility is one thing, they were the words used by government, but freedom and flexibility needs to be coupled with responsibility and regulation. Tesla has reportedly halted nearly all of its production in Shanghai as a result of the lockdown there. So I'm guessing that uh, Elon Musk is probably searching the globe to see where this capacity can be replaced. I doubt he'll want to slow down his ideas as a result of that disruption. He won't just wait, he'll be searching actively for new suppliers, I would have thought. And Toyota has cut production also due to the Shanghai lockdowns. Toyota said it will close eight plants in Japan, and 14 lines will stop production from Monday the 16th of May through to the 21st of May, as a result of the lockdown in Shanghai. So car companies are having real problems. The World Bank reported this week that Ukraine is pushing up prices of commodities, including food, cotton and energy. So the the war in Ukraine is starting to bite around the globe. And of course, Lots of companies that are affected by the sanctions imposed on Russia have been able to manipulate those sanctions in some way to still get access to some of the supplies that they actually need. So it's not all cut and dried, but it's important that uh, income to Russia is cut if they are serious about stopping the war. They need to get to the negotiating table. Last month, the World Trade Organization lowered its forecast for growth in world trade from 4.7 to 2.5, so a lowering of 2.2% due to the Russia invasion of Ukraine. Food production, of course, we've mentioned will be hit, wheat and corn. And Russia has already began taking some of the harvested products back to Russia. In Africa, 35 of 55 countries import wheat and grain from Ukraine and Russia. And so they're likely to be badly affected as the war continues. 22 countries imported fertilizers from Russia and Ukraine, and they'll be affected. So Africa is likely to come off badly from the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the disruption it causes to their supply chains. Energy prices around the globe have risen as a result of the war in Ukraine already, and that's likely to worsen if the war continues. And some have said, expect a long war. This isn't going to end soon, according to one French minister. The pressure it puts on consumers, businesses, and of course the risk it adds to security of supply chains is enormous. It can't be underestimated in the UK alone. Prices are set to rise more than 10% this year, and there are likely to be shortages of particular products as the war intensifies. Annual food bills could increase by up to £300 as a consequence of this supply chain disruption. So the outlook isn't good. It appears it's in everybody's interests, apart from Russia, to end the war. Prices of wheat could rise by 42%, barley 33%, Soya beans, 20% and 30% for oils, and the chicken problem we referred to over the past few weeks could see prices rise by somewhere between 40 and 50% for those uh, those chickens with feeds and fertilizer prices nudging upwards. Ukraine and Russia account for 30% of global wheat exports and about 60% of the global sunflower supplies, and they produce lots of fertiliser and timber, amongst other things. So all those products could rise significantly. So COVID, the war in Ukraine, and inflationary pressures, all adding to a dismal economic outlook. French container giant CMA CGM Group has said it will... Incentivize the return of boxes back to port. So they're going to pay a premium for returning those boxes. It's the first time this kind of uh, strategy has been employed, so far as I'm aware. So they said... Unusual times need uh, unusual solutions. It's a 60-day incentive program. They'll pay $300 per dry container returned to particular locations, and they hope that about 43,000 dry containers will be put back into circulation within four days of the pickup on or after May the 16th. Well, some good news there then. So this might bring some relief to the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach and other big container ports Around the globe. Let's hope it works. Royal Mail in the UK plans to use drones. So it's going to drop mail on 50 new routes using drones to do it over the next three years. It's a partnership with a logistics company that uh, has drones called Wind Racers and providing the Civil Aviation Authority approves the move it's likely to help Royal Mail deliver to more remote communities, so particularly islands and uh, places like the Isle of Scilly, Shetland Islands Orkney Islands and the Hebrides. They wanted to have about 200 drones over the next three years, increasing to around 500 servicing all corners of the uk so it wants to get that into a trial situation so that'll be interesting to see how that works out on time delivery and all kinds of weather said simon thompson chief executive of royal mail that's what we like to hear well that's it for this week I hope you've enjoyed the show i'm tony hines i'm signing off i'll see you next time bye for now Chain Reaction is produced, written, and presented by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction podcast, all about supply chain advantage.